Hi, welcome to Unleash Ministries podcast, where Pastor Nathan Sanford will guide us through daily Bible studies, prophetic revelations, and life-changing encounters with the Father's love. Join us for near daily content as we dive into the Word of God. Everybody, welcome back to Unleash Podcast. I just want to give a shout out to everyone because <laughs> we're back at the Unleash Podcast. If you if you're just tuned in, we're going to chapter by chapter, verse by verse through the whole Bible. Um, something I'd love to do is just teach through the Word, so that we're getting kind of the whole counsel of God's Word and not just little snippets here and there. But we're actually going through every single chapter every single thing verse by verse is well is doing as great a job as we can with with exegesis trying to avoid eisegesis if you don't know what those words are i'm not going to tell you what they mean now but you can always google it so we're trying to we're kind of just going right through second peter's where we left off right we're going to start at second peter 2 1 which is kind of where we left off last week and I just want to let you guys know, again, the context of Second Peter there under most of the books of the Bible you're going to find is the people in the church are under severe persecution or they're about ready to be under severe persecution. And oftentimes the writer, whether it's Peter or Paul or whoever, is kind of telling them like, look, you, this is coming or it's already here and here's how you need to deal with it and, and be aware of this and that. And this is definitely one of those times. And this is intense. Like, there's been a lot of argument who this is referring to, like what kinds of teaching they're referring to. But I have kind of my own idea, and I think is is the same kind of teachings that we're bumping into now. So let's go ahead and jump right into this on 2 Peter 2 1. It says, But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. Now, some have argued right here that somehow there's no prophets um, and now in the like that anybody that claims to be a prophet would be false. And I'm like, just because it says, but false prophets also arose among the people. But of course, the problem with that is we have Jesus saying, beware of false prophets. And how can you have false prophets if you don't actually have true prophets? Otherwise, Jesus would say, Beware of anyone that says they're a prophet because they're all would be false, which isn't what he says. He says, beware of false prophets. So anyway, there he says false teachers. Oh, I'm sorry. But false prophets also arose among the people. And of course, he's now he's referring back to the Old Testament. And then he goes, just as there will also be false teachers among you. And then he begins to to tell them like, this is kind of what you need to be aware of. So what he's saying is there's going to be false teachers who come again among, this is obviously among the churches to whom Peter is writing. But then of course you can obviously apply that to us that, you know, wherever there's teaching, there's inevitably going to be false teaching. So we always, 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 always need to check what is being said with the word of God, which I know can be really hard for people because so-and-so with the microphone and the big following and a lot of flowing words and power and authority, um, it's real difficult sometimes for people to kind of go, I don't know if that's true or not. They kind of accept it hook, line, and, and sinker, especially people who are loving and kind and humble, which honestly, to be honest, those are most people I know. Like in the body of Christ, most of the people I know are good, kind, humble, loving people, and they love Jesus. And they're not they're, they're, their natural bent isn't to be, religious Pharisees who question every single thing that's taught, which I don't think that's good anyways. Like their natural bent is is to be to listen, to to be humble, to be kind, to be honoring. Like that's most people's bent. And 
that's all really, really good. But, you know, sometimes we got to go, I don't know if that's true, especially if something's going off in your spirit where you're like, gosh, that just doesn't feel right. And I know it's like, well, don't go by your feelings, go by the word. And I'm like, well, yeah, I, I get that, that we always go by the word. But God has given a spirit of discernment. It's one of the spiritual gifts that we have to be able to go, ah, something just feels off. You know, something is wrong. And you might not know it 100% right off the bat. But a lot of times if you begin to look at the word or just sometimes it's good to ask other people maybe that have a little more education, understanding, go, I heard this taught. Like, is that actually true? And get some good teaching. So anyway, clearly there's false teaching. And I want to say, especially when God moves and especially in times of persecution and change. So I want everyone to understand this, like especially in times of what I mean by when God moves is like when you have a real move of God, like the Jesus people movement or a great awakening or something like that, which we are stepping into, I believe, if it hasn't already begun, it's certainly going to. When this happens, you inevitably false teachers arise and false prophets arise, especially during these times. And you have it usually right before and then right during. So if you didn't know this, like during Jesus time, there was a whole bunch of false messiahs prior to his coming. And of course, that's to kind of like inoculate people is to get people to be hard hearted in regards to the coming of Jesus. But always in times of the move of God where the hunger for for truth and the hunger for God is so high, there's always these like release of false teachers and false prophets who, again, usually have 90 percent of what they say might might sound good or be right on. But it's like the 10 percent that actually robs you of the simple gospel. And that's typically you don't have a false teacher who's like saying everything false because that would be easily rejected. And most people easily and quickly reject that kind of stuff. What they, But what they don't necessarily reject is when so-and-so guy from the platform is 90% right on, but something just feels off. It's like the words are right, but but somehow it doesn't feel right. And um, that, and oftentimes it'll be the 10% that you, your intellect cannot pick up on, but something is, is, is wrong. And again, that's absolutely what was happening here. And I believe that Peter, and I think this bears out historically speaking, this bears out. So I think I'm pretty confident about who Peter's talking about. And as we get through here, you'll, it'll kind of make more sense, but I want you to understand the same false prophets and false teachers um, that were there at that time are essentially the same false prophets and false teachers that we have now. It's just packaged a bit differently. It's almost always the same lie because I think it's almost always the same demonic spirit uh, behind it who has the same lie, but just packages it differently for each generation. So it doesn't sound so it sounds like new or it sounds exciting or it sounds like oh this is what I was looking for and, and actually it isn't. It's um, it, but it begins to like kind of act like a cancer on your spirit. So we'll get there in a second. But so basically he goes, look, false prophets also arose and there will be false teachers among you. And he says, who will secretly introduce destructive heresies. Now, if you don't know what heresy means, like heresy has come to mean basically any doctrine that would deviate from historical biblical Christianity. So any doctrine that's being taught at all, a very, very common one, let's just use one so you guys would know like how this word is usually used, like a heresy, is usually used to describe um, you know, things that would come against traditional understandings of the faith. So let's just take the incarnation. 
So a traditional Orthodox stance on the Incarnation, if you don't know what the Incarnation is, that is just that Jesus was and is fully man and fully God. So he's 100% man and 100% God at the same time. This is historical biblical Christianity. And then Mormonism comes along and Joseph Smith comes along and Brigham Young comes along and they go, oh, actually, that's not true. Actually, Jesus was a man and he's not one with the father. He's not part of a trinity. In fact, that that teaching itself is wrong, is what is what Joseph Smith would say. And he would say Jesus was a man who did everything right down here on earth and then became a God. Um, specifically became the God over this universe or the God of this reality that Jesus worked and worked and did everything right and therefore became a God, but he wasn't God. Um, now he's not even the God. He's like a God. And Mormons believe that, that um, you know, that Jesus, gosh, am I messing this up? Uh, forgive me if this is wrong, but I always get Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons mixed up because they have real similar theology on this regard. But he's like the spirit brother of what they say, Lucifer. And so he's not, um, you know, he's a created being. They look at Jesus as a created being. So again, this would be a heresy, according to most people's. And I would agree that is, it is a heresy because it does deviate from historical biblical Christianity, which teaches clearly that Jesus is fully man and fully God. But the word here is actually a, an interesting Greek word, and it literally means um, choosing like one's own opinion. It's like it's like one own one's own opinion. It's also where we get our word for hearsay, meaning like this is like something we just heard. It's somebody's opinion. So these are like destructive opinions, essentially, or destructive things that people came up to on their own. He says, even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. So essentially, it's like if you teach this, like swift and quick destruction will come upon you. Now, Peter's about ready to unleash this tirade against these people. Like, you clearly get the picture that he does not like these people. And so the question is going, well, what exactly were they teaching? Like, what were the heresies they're teaching? Well, let's just read a little bit farther because, again, he uses heresy, which basically means their own opinions, their own ideas, their own sort of understandings, their own sort of bents on certain topics. So that's why he goes, Many will follow their sensuality, meaning many people are going to follow the sensuality of these destructive teachers, meaning that what they say seems very alluring. It's very like um, it looks very good. It's very, uh, I, I don't know, tempting. And because of them, the way of the truth will be maligned. Now, what I want to describe to you guys is let's put this whole thing in context. And honestly, the whole context here is, of course, Peter spends the first chapter of Second Peter essentially talking about how uh, Jesus is the only way, like your holiness is completely derived from him. And then he concludes that by saying, since you are holy, therefore act in this way, meaning live a life that's reflective of your new identity in Christ, meaning all your actions, your thoughts and your feelings. Let all of those things now reflect the holiness that Jesus gives you as a free gift, which, again, is very common for almost every New Testament writer is to say, this is who you are in Christ. Therefore, act like this. So usually, and I believe that this is true here as well, 
there are two destructive teachings that come in and they either assault. And again, this is almost true of every letter and every, every single person Paul addresses or Peter addresses. It's like the two teachings will then come to basically attack one thing or the other. So they either are going to attack that you're perfect and holy in Christ Jesus or they're going to attack that your behavior needs to change. So it's like this is where usually people get off track. And this is where the destructive teachings come, that basically somehow your prayer, your Bible study, and your fasting and whatever contributes somehow to your holiness or your righteousness instead of it being a perfect gift of God. And so that is one of the heresies that come in. And then the other heresy that comes in is to say that, well, actually, since Christ did it all, you can just do whatever you want with your body. And this is kind of what the Gnostics were saying. The Gnostics were like, well, your spirit is good. Your body is bad. So you can just do whatever you want, like with your body. So um, anyway, so these are the kind of teachings that you really see over and over again. It's either going to be an attack on the simple gospel in terms of like you need to pray, pray more, fast more, do more, serve more, give more in order to be holy or make yourself ready or uh, whatever the other language they want to use, but it's all kind of the same thing. And then the other side of that coin that gets distorted is actually since Jesus did it all, just act however you want. Like God loves you anyway. Like, like, you know, just, you know, love is love. Like do whatever you want to do. We'll accept you and celebrate everything you want to do sexually and everything you want to do in your life. We're just going to celebrate that and God doesn't care. So these are kind of like the two heresies that you see come about over and over again. And I think that Peter here is actually addressing both of them. So it basically goes, many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of truth will be maligned. And in their greed, verse 3, they will exploit you with false words. Their judgment from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. Now, I think that first section, I think he's definitely addressing um, the basically the Judaizers and other people who were teaching they had to be circumcised to be saved or you know, you have to do this other act to be saved. And again, we have the same thing today that that ba- actually you, you might get in by faith, but in order to stay in, you got to perform all these things or God's going to be ticked at you. Or in order to prepare for Christ's return, you have to pray more, fast more, do more, serve more, give more. And somehow this is like preparing you or making you ready um, in ways that the blood of Jesus can't. Now, it's such a weird little uh, teaching that sounds so good and has so much truth to it. In other words, like praying more and fasting more and all, that's all really great stuff. Like that's awesome stuff. It, it all reflects who you are, but it reflects who you are. It doesn't make who you are. What makes who you are is pure faith in the simple gospel and the blood of Jesus. That makes who you are. And that is the only thing that will prepare you in any way uh, for anything is the blood of Jesus. Everything else is an outworking of the foundation of the simple gospel. But I think that he's saying, like, look, in their greed, they will exploit you, right? Because the Judaizers were greedy. And Paul talks about them, too, in terms of they were taking advantage of people. They were trying to get money from people uh, for various things. And so this is like he's super upset about that. And then he goes on. This is where it gets intense. Like, so Second uh, Peter 2, he says, for if, I'm sorry, Peter, Second Peter 2, 4, for if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to pits of darkness reserved for judgment and did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a preacher of righteousness with seven others 
when he brought a flood upon the world and if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to destruction by reducing them to ashes. Now, I think here he is starting to address the other side of the coin, which the first side is pray more, fast more, do more, serve more, and this will somehow make you ready or this somehow reflects your depth in God when actually the only thing that is the blood of Jesus. The other side of that coin is basically like, well, live however you want. Again, we call this greasy grace. And it existed back then through the Gnostics. And it exists now in the form of sometimes they call it hyper grace or greasy grace or whatever. Um, and basically he's addressing that. He's like, look, if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by reducing them to ashes, having made them an example to those who would live ungodly lives thereafter. Once again, he's saying, look, you can't just live how you want. Like when you when you come to Christ, I mean, technically you can, which is what Peter and Paul understand. But they're also like, if you actually have the revelation and if you're bowing the knee to Christ and covenant, you won't live however you want. You'll live however he wants. And that's their point here. And once again, they're saying like, look, I think he's addressing, the again, the two sides of the coin of false teaching and heresy is the control and manipulation religiously, like you have to do all this stuff. The other side of this coin is a different kind of control and manipulation that says, oh, live however you want. Like, God loves you anyway. Like, he doesn't care what you do with your body. He doesn't care. Like, love is love, all that kind of stuff. And he's saying, look, if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by destruction or to destruction, by reducing them to ashes, having made them an example to those who would live ungodly lives thereafter. And if he rescued righteous Lot, oppressed by the sensual conduct of unprincipled men, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation and to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment. So he's basically saying like, look, the God, God knows how to rescue the, uh, the godly from this sick culture that we're in. And he knows how to bring punishment to those who refuse to repent on the day of judgment. And especially those who indulge the flesh in its corrupt desires and despise authority. And once again, what he's saying is, look, the, the other side of the coin. He's like those who indulge in the flesh and its corrupt desires and the, you know, the, the corruption that comes with just doing whatever you feel. He's like, there's judgment for that. And, and this is not the way you want to go. So these people teaching you that it's OK, just go out and sleep with whoever you want and God doesn't care and just do whatever you want with your body. And there's no repentance and God loves everybody. Like it's called like universalism. And it's sick and it's twisted and it's the opposite of the gospel. Once again, the other side of the heresy coin, um, that side of the heresy coin, I think, is a lot easier to spot for most believers. Like the, and plus, there's been a lot of lip service and a lot of talk given to hyper grace in terms of like teaching against it. So that people are kind of easy, easily able to recognize like that's not right. Like that doesn't sound right. You know, that like we do whatever we want and God doesn't care and sleep with whoever and love is love. Like we most of us look at that and go. Well, that's not good. Um, and so that, so that. Thank you for listening to Unleash Ministries podcast. We pray you are blessed and encouraged by an encounter with the Father's love poured out through His Word. If you would desire to bless this ministry financially, please visit www.unleashedchurch.org and click on the Give link. Thank you.